As a 13-year-old on a family holiday in Fiji, Australian boy Jay White had no idea the tremendous impact he would one day have on the Fijian tourism industry and the lives of Fijian villagers. Jay owns and operates the multi-award winning Sigatoka River Tours and is helping the economies of remote villages. My family and I went up the river with Jay's team when we were in Fiji and it honestly was the highlight of our stay. I caught up with Jay recently who shared his love of the Fijian people and their culture with me. Jay White, thank you very, very much for joining me today. And I'm so interested in your story and the Sigatoka River Tours that you run. Tell me how it all started because you went over as a child, didn't you? That's right, yeah. So um, I was first able to visit Fiji back in 1991 on a um, family holiday and not knowing it at the time that it was going to change my life. Stayed at the uh, Shangri-La's um, Fijian Resort and... On day three, I met this security guard who was doing his rounds of the resort. And um, I noticed he was wearing a little pin on his shirt which said Bendigo. And my mum's from Bendigo, so it was sort of like a, an opening. And um, he just started telling me all these wonderful stories about his family, his village, and, and Fiji in general. And he's a great storyteller, and I was just captivated. And I um, uh, followed him all around the resort, went back of house, uh, got to see things that most people don't see when they're staying there and um, did the same thing again day two. And then at the end of day two, he said, I've got the, the day off work tomorrow. Would you like to come and see my village? So obviously after hearing all about it, uh, the answer was pretty much yes, please. And when I spoke to dad and um, we organized to jump in a minivan the next morning, headed uh, up into the interior, two hours up there, up to Rainbow Village. And we were welcomed in like long lost family that day. And uh, I just fell in love with Fiji and we went swimming in the river, horseback riding to the waterfall. And it was just a wonderful experience, really, you know, off the beaten track and literally changed my life. I just had a new appreciation for small things. And, you know, when you looked at our life in Australia compared to what their life was in the village, they were giving us so much without asking for anything in return, and it just taught me, you know, the 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 basic humility of of, uh, of humanity. You know that the less they had, but the more they gave, was incredible. So um, I just thought, you know, this this is me. I, I wanted to come back to Fiji as much as I could, and every two years kept coming back and visiting. And the villagers sort of see me grow up uh, from a thirteen year old kid to an adult, and um, I'd stay longer and longer each time I visited. Uh, in 1991, in, uh, later that same year, we went to New Zealand and I did a jet boat ride and that was where the two ideas really came together. So it's um, a case of the universe pointing me in the, in the right di direction and I just uh, followed. It's amazing how, you know, your friend just wearing that Bendigo pin and how that all started something fantastic. And I'm interested to know that... Next few times you went, did you go with your family or did you just go on alone over there? Uh, yeah, so I was very fortunate that my father at the time was working for Coca-Cola and uh, they had operations obviously here in Fiji, so he had to come to Fiji quite regularly. And so whenever I heard he was coming, I, I was asking to tag along. Uh, so the second trip in 1993 was actually just me and my dad. Um, and that there's two trips in 93, but... The first one in um, January was just after Cyclone Kina. And so we went up to the village and took some um, clothes, um, some 
at the time, Coca-Cola had a promotion called Future Ball. So we took about 20 Future Ball shirts and gave them to the villagers and they became the red team and they loved it. And then later that year, we, we did a family trip in 93 um, back to Fiji because everyone, everyone, not only myself, but everyone fell in love with Fiji. So there's a, a strong family connection. And then 95, we did it again. And then 98, I, I traveled solo um, and spent time by myself here in Fiji. And all, obviously, the aim was always to try and live, work in Fiji. And I um, I made it come true, made it real back in 2005. All right. So you moved over there in 2005. And did you have a plan in place of how what you're going to do? So the, tr- the truth of the story about the, the safari was that at 13 years old, my initial idea was when I was sitting on the jet boat in New Zealand, I said, this would be brilliant to bring the villagers down the river to do their shopping rather than having to go up that bumpy road to get to, and I said, so at 13, that's the way I thought, um, bring the villagers down the jet boat, take them back up. And anyway, that that sort of idea disappeared into my mind at 13 years old. And then when I was, um, what, 2003, 25 years old, I was thinking, what am I going to do with my life? sitting in traffic in Sydney and all of a sudden this original idea of bringing the villagers down hit you know jumped into my brain and within half an hour it turned into basically what the Singatoka River Safari is now how about we take people up river to experience um, the Fijian culture and I the next day went out and bought a book a book on how to write a business plan started in making inquiries with boat builders in New Zealand um, and I didn't know it at the time, but the person I contacted was the pioneer of this sort of thing in New Zealand. So again, the universe was pointing me in the right direction. And I contacted him by email, asked how much to build a boat. He gave me a price. I said, yeah, that sounds fair enough. And then another email and he came back with more information until eventually when it started to get a bit more serious, he he called me up and he said, yeah, it's uh, Neil Ross here. It just uh, sounds like you're getting serious. Um, you got some funny rules over there in Australia about jet boating. And I said, oh, stop. It's actually... It's for Fiji. He says, oh, that changes everything. So organized to fly him over to Fiji in um, 2004. We surveyed the river, went all the way up to what I call my village, Brambo, and we sat there drinking kava, and he was just sort of amazed by what he saw. And um, he just told me, you know, this will be the best jet boat tour in the world. Just give it time. So it's incredible how it's all happened. And um, he's, he's my mentor. I didn't know it when I first met him, but, when we went to New Zealand to do our driver training, he started sharing his story about what he did in 1988, starting Dart River Safari. And it's incredible what he achieved. And, um, you know, I was amazed at uh, the knowledge and experience that he had. And it's just been a wonderful journey with him since uh, since that time. That's amazing. Um, so, Jay, like, how difficult is it to start a business up in Fiji like you, especially, you know, where there's public involved and... Yeah. Um, so when I first made the jump to move to Fiji, I, I came over in August 2005 and um, obviously all I knew is that we put a deposit on a boat to be built in New Zealand and I had to lay the, the, the groundwork. Um, I did a lot of legwork in 2004 and early part of 2005 before moving full-time, but... I went and saw the, uh, my friend Pitta, who was actually now living in Australia, and shared the idea. He's on board as a partner in the business. And once he heard the idea about basically giving people a chance that he gave me, 
he was very much supportive and he told me who to go and see in the village and they became my spokesman as I traveled down along the Singatoka River visiting the chiefly houses. So I did everything the traditional way first um, before I did the bureaucratical side with the government second. Um, and that's really shown, obviously just shown the, the due respect to the Fijian culture and the people and that's really um, proven to be beneficial because it's um, in time you know, when little things have popped up because by doing the right thing in the first instance, um, those small problems have, have sort of uh, dissipated. Uh, so when I when I came back, you know, did a lot of the um, connecting the dots, I guess you could say. And then when the um, we did our driver training in uh, January, February of two thousand six, and we had our official launch in March nine two thousand and six. That's just over seventeen years now. Um, we had the the paramount chief of the province came to be our, our special guest to officially launch the business. We brought down the the, the main chiefs uh, on the day on the boat, so they had a boat ride down the river. And the very next day, um, we went back up to Rainbow Village as a family with Pitta, about the halfway mark up the river. Pitta, who grew up in Fiji. But he'd never been along the river like this. He had tears coming down his his cheeks, and he was just thinking of his father telling the stories about how they used to have to travel down the river on bamboo raft, and and now he's going up in a motorized boat and just seeing it from a totally different perspective. So it was quite emotional. Um, he and I call each other Gulewe, which means my brother, and that was the name of the first boat. That's the number plate I have on my car here. So there's lots of symbolic things that have, have um, happened over that time as well. So, yeah, it's it's in, it's uh, been a wonderful journey. It's interesting that Peter moved to Australia and you moved to Fiji. Yeah, we traded. We did one in, one out. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jay, tell me what village life is like because as you, we, as you know, we were in Fiji and I met you and, and we went on one of your tours, which we just absolutely loved it was honestly the highlight of our trip um so we had a first-hand view of what um Fiji and village life is like so could you just describe it for um I guess in from my perspective the you know a Fijian village is built around um you know a, a hierarchy you've got um and this is obviously Fijians have lived in the islands for 3,000 years so in many ways, they've worked out what works and 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 adopted it. So everyone's got a a function or a role in a traditional Fijian village setting. You've got the the chiefly family. You've got their um, spokesman. You've got their fishermen. You've got their builders. You've got the priests. Um, so everyone knows their role, so to speak. Um, but at the end of the day, if you sort of summarise a Fijian village, um, it's really built on sharing, loving, and caring. And they don't really they don't close their doors. The doors always open. You they they really move around, going from house to house. You know, um, the neighbours, as you'd call in Australia, the neighbours' house is is the family house. So um, everyone cares for everyone. That's why the old saying is, "It takes a village to raise a child." Um, you know, as I mentioned, our first trip, you you sort of look from a material materialistic perspective. They might not have much, but they're richer than most people I know living in in Australia because their spirit um, and what they place true value in is is greater, and it's really built on family, friends, and faith. You know, the mm. main components. And um, 
they're just so generous of self, of spirit, and they welcome in like. People ask me about tourism in Fiji and I said it's almost like a match made in heaven because Fijians are just so genuinely hospitable. Um, it's not an act, it's who they are. Um, I remember when I sort of started the business and they asked me what did they want them to do, what you know, what am I asking them to do? And I said, just be yourself. Like that's all it is, is just let people, you know, be yourself and just do what um Peter's family did for me when I visited ninety one. It's a wonderful opportunity for for people like us to go and see how, you know, the Fijian villages live. And um, they were just so gracious and so generous and they are just really the most beautiful people. There was nothing was too much trouble and um, they welcomed us with open arms and uh, made us, cooked a huge feast for us. It was incredible. Yeah, they're um, very special people. Yeah. One of the interesting things that, I think it was the bus driver with, that took us from Sigatoka out to where we hopped on the jet boat. Um, but he was telling us that in the villages, if someone had, if a family had three girls and they want a boy and their cousin has had three boys, they'll swap children around. So can you yes. tell us a bit about that? That's incredible. Yeah, that's not an uncommon thing um, where even if some families, don't have children, they'll ask their um, sister or brother or even their cousin that if they're having another child, can we please adopt um, that child? And because of the family structure in Fiji, um, like in the Western world in Australia, you've got your mum, dad, children, and that's all the nuclear family, whereas in, in Fiji, you've got your, your cousins, they call cousin brother. That's how close the relationship is. It's not a distant thing it's so close that they considered a brother as opposed to a cousin if you know what i mean um and they'll call their uncle so their their father's brother will be their small father so that's their uncle but it's a small father or their big father you know um i remember my friend peter calling my mum mum because that's how they view it it's like the the dynamics or the 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 view of a family is is greater than what how we see it you know um yes they might adopt their, a child from their, their cousin or their sister or brother, that child will still grow up knowing who their biological parents are, still have a close relationship. But it's it's just a, a true um, embracing of, of the family in a greater sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, Jane, the other thing that we found interesting was, and which, I, which we all thought was really great, is that alcohol is banned in those villages. So... Um, Tell me where that has come from or how the young people deal with that. Are they okay with it or do yeah. I guess they don't know any different? Yeah, no, like at the end of the day, humans are the same all around the world, but in, in Fijian village settings, they do have their own bylaws, um, which are um, obviously monitored and maintained by, um, they can call in the police if anyone breaks the bylaws um, and they're set by the provincial council Um and so most, for the most part, people respect that. They, if they want to consume alcohol, they'll do it outside of the village boundaries. Um, and, yeah, again, Fijian culture, like most indigenous cultures, are built on, on respect. Um, and in the old days, if, if anyone did anything that was considered wrong, um, they'd, have a, they'd have the weekly meeting in the village hall and they'd basically, it's almost like a little court setting where they'd, 
call people up and read out the charges. You know, you you've done the wrong thing. You've done this X, Y, and Z, and they determine what their punishment was. And in the old days, it was a case of maybe um, um, a public flogging sort of thing in front of the entire village. And once the punishment's been handed out, then they're embraced back into the into the village. So that really um, helped in terms of the behaviour of the old days. Obviously, over time, those elements have sort of changed somewhat. But um, you know, there's some things we can learn from the old days. I think. Oh, absolutely. And Jay, your venture has brought so much to the BGN villages that you support. So tell tell me how things have changed. The best way I can sort of um, explain that is that prior to the the tour starting. If the village had a function, like be it a, a wedding, a funeral, um, or um, any other major event that would come along, they'd have to ask everyone in the village what they call a soli to give to towards that event or that function. Um, so since our beginning of tours, what we've noticed is that the, the asking from the individual houses to cover these costs for the obligations has sort of stopped. So a lot of the households now get to retain their money without having to contribute individually, and the money from the tour is is helping cover those um, aspects. Um, a lot of the villages also have done um, various projects, which have included um, footpaths in the village, um, electrification. Uh, we've had a lot of do- a generous um, people that have come on the tour who have also donated for things like that as well. Uh, finishing off uh, churches, building kindergartens, and it's just been incredible the uh, the flow on benefits, you know, even through to school scholarships, and we've even had um, uh, dogs who've gone overseas that uh, we've had um, guests see a village dog and want to give them a new life, and one's gone to Australia, and one's gone to um, USA, so <laughs> it's amazing. Um, the flow-on benefits not only to the humans but also to the canines. Uh, it's actually funny that you mentioned that the animals because I've just interviewed a lady um, from a, from Brisbane who visited PG and she's ended up bringing a kitten back to Australia. And um, yeah. yeah, so and Jay, um, on top of all that, you've won so many awards, haven't you? So you've really done such a great thing, not only for the Fijian villages, but also tourism as a whole. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's you know, like when we start out the the I guess the journey in in two thousand six, you didn't know where it was going to go, but thankfully, um, people like yourself, like hearing what you say, really means a lot because it's. It's um, sort of how we felt that first time when we went, and it's just wonderful to hear people have that connection and that love for Fiji and the experience that they had in the interior because for so long, um, a lot of people never even realised that Fiji had a, an interior. They all, always associated the islands, the coastline, and that was Fiji. But um, it's you know I had a, uh, a comment from someone up in the interior a few years ago where he said, he made the comment, um, Jay, thank you, you've civilized us. But what he actually meant by saying that was I think he meant thank you for allowing people to see us, like to come and visit us uh, in the interior. Um, obviously, for a lot of them, English is not the first language, so you've got to sometimes interpret the the meaning of what they're saying. So when he said that, I, I, I took it to mean thank you for letting people see us um, uh, up here in the interior because for so long, 
um, they've been sort of looked down on. Um, people use the term kaivolo, which means mountain person, but they use it in a in a in many ways in a derogatory sense. That when um, people don't sort of understand things the way they are in the Western or the modern world, it's I see it more as a reference to culture shock. Um, they they say someone's kaivolo if they don't get it or they don't understand it. So um, that was a huge to me. I took it as a really big compliment. They they appreciate um, us opening. The world to them if you know what i mean um we we i take great pride in the fact that we work with 18 different villages you know trying to share the benefits of tourism without relying solely on tourism um that we, we visit each village for four months of the year just one day of the week and then for the rest of the time they're still having to live their traditional life so it really is a a, a balancing act um and i think the fact that we've picked up some of these awards is just a reflection of where the genesis of the business started from and the real reason behind it. I just really appreciate that people understand it and th- and they get it. Well, Jay, on my next trip, I'm going to do the um, off-road cave safari, which is one of yours as well. And I've read a lot about it, but we just ran out of time. But Jay, thank you so much for sharing this story. I'm really, I, I just loved hearing about it and um especially all the little things that came together the universe coming together with the bendigo badge and and winter and um (laughs) just how everything works out in the end there's a grander grander plan that's right thank you so much and i really appreciate you having interest and of course coming on the tour so thank you so much it was our pleasure. <laughs> Banaka. Banaka. Hope to see you soon. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for listening to my interview. If you'd like to hear more inspiring stories, subscribe to my YouTube channel or my podcast and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Life Journey TV.